0: It's every mystery that has not been solved. Every question that has not been answered. Are ghosts real? Are we alone in the universe? Is there any party like an S-Club party? Charlie Clawson and Ben McClay are here to investigate. This is the Unexplained Explained. Unexplained Explained. Unexplained Explained. explained, explained. Ben uh it brings me no joy to bring the final uh, meeting of the North Australian Paranormal Society to session uh, I hope everyone had a great Halloween and, and their, their Tuesday was filled with spooks and spectres and kids all going to have future diabetic problems
3: yeah it's uh, it's incredible to think that we managed to solve all of the questions about the paranormal in such a short amount of time that's uh thought- that's
0: yeah, four weeks seems barely enough. I mean, how many series of The X-Files did they get out? Like seven? 22 episodes? Yeah, about seven, seven good ones. A it's 140. So we've got 136 to go to on par with perhaps the greatest paranormal pop culture property on the market. Oh, would Stranger Things be? What's bigger? The X-Files or Stranger Things?
3: Oh, Probably the X Files, I would say, because those those TV numbers where, like literally every single person like was 30 watching. Thirty
0: million people watching. Yeah,
3: and now we're just getting those weird Netflix numbers where they're like, "Wow, a hundred thousand cumulative minutes watched," and you're like, "I don't, I haven't rewatched mean? the
0: X Files in a while." But would it would it be hokey by today's standards?
3: At times, there are some parts of it that are, are more grounded than I remember it being. But then you know, there's some some of the monster of the week episodes. I just you could tell they were really scratching their heads yeah. for some sort of paranormal phenomena. But like it's very funny. I, like all of the the relationship stuff in there between the two of them, their dynamic and their banter is great. But it falls into like that usual primetime TV pattern of like they have a little bit of dialogue that they repeat nearly every single time or a little dynamic or whatever. But oh, it's great. great you're show. right,
0: though. It is that sort of that sort of po-faced seriousness that Gravitas that made it so different. I was watching um, this YouTube video, uh, it was like an audio clip of Tarantino talking about The Exorcist over clips from The Exorcist. And he was saying how he, um, cause William Friedkin for some weird reason didn't allow people to screen it on movie screens from a 35 mil print, he insisted on digital. And I don't know Ah. if that's because the remastering, he felt it was better quality or whatever. Oh, sure. But Tarantino is saying he got his hands on a 35 original and played it at the New Beverly and was just marvelling at what an amazing film it was. And it got him thinking about, could I do horror? And he's like, I reckon if I did a film like this, I could do horror because it's so serious. You know, it's a drama Mm -hmm. essentially. And he's gone, but. He's gone, my films, and what I'm interested in is just little flourishes of like eccentricity. And he's got this I don't think I could, in this world of like demons and, and priests and stuff, I could just like allow a scene to go so seriously. Like I'd have to put in some weird conversation. Like, and that's like, oh, yeah. I, I could totally see that. Like a Tarantino film, the, you know, the old priest and the young priest go off and then have like some pop culture discussion about Captain Kangaroo or something like that.
3: I feel like that's sort of what that, um, the sort of Joss Whedon-y, Marvel-y type stuff is where they want to do, you know, the high camp of superhero stuff, but they're slightly embarrassed at the source material, you know, that they, so they have to have these very meta conversations around it, all these things that pull you out. And Tarantino would definitely be doing the same thing. It'd be like 15 minutes of, like, dry, procedural, slow-build 70s horror stuff and then, yeah, two guys just
0: talking the shit about, like, Well, you think about, like, Once Upon a Time stuff. in Hollywood... And that is just a, a drama for like 80% of it and then it just goes into complete fast territory in the last yeah. 20 minutes?
3: But even look at um, like Inglourious Bastards, there are parts of that that is just tension in conversation and then there's other parts that are super over the top. You know, there's the the Hugo Stiglitz part where it cuts in with like the 70s guitar while they're doing the montage of him killing all the Nazis and stuff. Like, you he can't, he can't help, yeah, he, he has to do it.
0: Got, yeah, he's got these little flourishes that he needs to include. It's interesting we're talking about filmmakers because ordinarily we'd have like a bit of a general chat about, um, you know, the phenomena we're discussing, but the uh, topic I want to discuss today is a filmmaker. And uh, a a story that I was aware of a few years ago, but again, it had fallen out of my consciousness until I I rediscovered it because in this first season, and I'm I'm saying that as if there'll be subsequent seasons of the unexplained explained. I mean, you guys have got to like and subscribe and tell your friends and all those other kind of guff for us to come back.
3: Share it with the hashtag. Yeah. Yeah, That's the one. We
0: can't, uh, we can't be doing this into a void. Um, But this season was meant to be all focused around Australian stories. And, I wanted to finish on like a ghost story and I, everything I found, like I was Googling like most famous Australian ghost stories, they're all Victorian era, you know, nonsense. And I and I wanted something that felt a bit more contemporary. And I remember about five years ago, somehow the algorithm directed me to this viral marketing campaign for a ghost documentary that was made by an American, but shot in Australia and focused on an Australian ghost Now, before we go any further, I will let the filmmaker himself explain uh, what is going on here. Strap yourself in for this.
2: Six hours ago, a guy that I befriended about a year ago named Craig Powell sent me several pieces of film um, of events, strange things that he captured. The reason I'm so tired right now is because I have watched this footage for six hours straight. Either Craig and his team have pulled off one of the most advanced, complex hoaxes that the paranormal field has ever known, or the footage that I'm looking at. If this footage is real, and I will find out if it is, then Craig has definitively Proven that ghosts
0: exist. <laughs> okay. All right. Big statement. Uh, yeah. Beautiful editing. Real good sense of tension there. That was tremendous. Yeah. The voice you're hearing is uh, filmmaker Chad Kallak, who was a paranormal researcher from America. And he released a documentary in 2018 called Sir No Face. Now, the documentary takes place on Cockatoo Island in Sydney. Um, now, originally, Cockatoo Island was, a, I believe, in, uh, was an Aboriginal fishing spot before uh, colonisation when it was turned into an Alca- Alcatraz-type prison before becoming a shipping yard before being decommissioned in uh, 1913. And so now it's just this island with a bunch of disused buildings where you're more likely to see an event from Sydney Fashion Week happening there than, like any kind of shipbuilding or incarceration of prisoners. But it's a great – I've been out there a couple of times. It's a really great setting for a ghost story. So apparently in about 2012, 2013, the Western Sydney Paranormal Research Team are contacted uh, by the Harbour Federation of the New South Wales government to conduct an investigation into Cockatoo Island. So – the way that the film posits is, is like the only uh, the only san- the only uh, ghost investigation sanctioned by the Australian government, oh, which is awesome, rules. right? Because I was like, "Ooh, you know, <laughs> is that true?" Watch, having watched the documentary and read a bit more about it, I think what was going on is that the Harbour Federation were like, "Oh, we've got this island; we need to work out a way to monetize it." So, I think they wanted to start conducting ghost tours. So I believe they reached out to the West Sydney Paranormal, what do they call it, Society of, of researchers, Western Sydney Paranormal researchers to to go into an investigation. I think it's more along the lines of like, hey, how can we market this? Like, what you know, is there is there something that we can work together where you guys can run some ghost tours? But the Western Sydney, the Craig Powell that um, Chad Callic mentions is is the head of or was the head of the Western Sydney um, uh, Paranormal Research. They took it as. Come find ghosts on our island, and so they—that'd be like a tough needle to thread, right?
3: Because you, as say the people that want to drum up tourism for ghost tours, you can't just go out to these guys and be like, "Hey, we need you to come and definitely find ghosts so that we can do ghost tours." But you don't also want to be—you don't want to yeah. be cynical. You can't and be like,
0: call them up and have... be like, "Like you don't call up a." Like a, a like a termite guy and pest exterminator and say hey come around and pretend to look for termites like they're pros yes, exactly yeah right and you don't want yeah, to insult them yeah. and so it's interesting it's been a point of contention so Craig Powell who so Western Sydney Paranormal Research they don't exist anymore they disbanded um, we'll get into that more of that later um, but Craig Powell in subsequent interviews I've read he was like they stiffed us on the bill a bit like the Ghostbusters that they went out and bought all this high tech you know, night vision gear, motion detectors and stuff. They did this investigation and then this, um, the New South Wales government said, oh, hang on, wait a minute. We didn't we didn't sign a contract or anything like that. So my read of it. This is exactly like <laughs> Ghostbusters. You say we're
3: getting set up for like a Sydney Ghostbusters 2?
0: <laughs> this is incredible. So um, so that was around 2013. So a couple of years later, uh, Chad Kellick, who's uh, I think a personality in the paranormal uh, uh, uh Industry, I was going to say. What did you say? The has a has as a following for his, his paranormal documentaries. Yeah. He's out in Australia doing um, uh, some convention and meets Craig Powell, and Craig gives him the footage from all the things that they've shot on Cockatoo Island. So that's the point we've picked up. Now, hang on. So can I just pause? My wife's phone's yeah, going go off. For <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, did you hear Jesus, that? Jesus, are you all right? Oh, God. Uh-huh? That's me banging my knee on a chest What'd of records do? under my desk. Fuck. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. No, that was creepy. All right, I'll just pick it up. Christ <laughs> alive, it's the man yeah, that's trying right. to stop you. Uh, so, so Chad Kallick, um, the American filmmaker, he's out in Australia for some kind of paranormal convention. He meets Craig Powell, who slips him the vision, and then that statement we just heard from from Chad that's him having viewed this this footage now on their investigation craig and his team experienced a, a number of strange things so their motion cap cameras were being activated when there was nothing in the room there's a really weird phenomenon that i haven't seen before but it was like lightning flashes so in the documentary they'd be in a oh. room in a building with no power and they would request a light show and they just get a flash of lightning. So it's just like a, like a, just a single strobe flash. You see them in the room, sh- there's a flash of like reddish light. Craig says, you know, the strange thing about the light is it wouldn't cast any shadows. I couldn't quite verify that because it's it's such a fast flash frame. But they had heard that there was a ghost of a military officer that haunted Cockatoo Island. Oh, I'm sorry. so sorry. Uh, my turn to take okay. a phone call real quick. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, one second. Hello, Ben speaking. So the phenomenon that was probably the most unusual is that they would uh, request like a light show from this this entity. And so in the documentary, you see like the team all sitting in a room that has like no power and there'd be these little like flashes of light would go off just for like a single frame, like a single frame strobe light. Um, They'd heard – rumors from people who'd been on the island that there was the ghost of like a former military officer roaming around and so they started naming this ghost sir they just started calling him sir so in the footage of them walking around these rooms they're like sir sir can you show us a sign and make a noise sir? like close the door or whatever um Oh man, that's so. Um, it
3: feels like halfway between either forced American politeness, uh, yeah. where they call each other sir, or like
0: Australian yeah. high schooler boarding master type thing. So I think the yeah. the, the a lot of the activity was happening in the officers' quarters. So that's where um a lot of this kind of the the paranormal activity is taking place. Um, at one point, Craig appears to be struck by Sir. Um, he says that it yanked him by the the T-shirt, the, you sort of see him sort of get flung back. But then there's – when I first saw it, I was like, oh, he's been smacked in the face because he reacts as if someone struck him across the face. But then in the interview he says, no, I was yanked by my shirt, which I've watched both actions – well, I've watched the action of you know him reacting. It's like I don't think I would react like – my head wouldn't fly back if someone had grabbed me by the shirt unless reaching over the back or, or something like that. Oh, well, very strange. So – the um, the most compelling footage, the one that Chad was just talking about, is uh, a single shot that was taken in the officer's quarters in the middle of the night. So they set up a, a night vision camera in the corner of this room facing like a, a doorway with like a sort of half-open door. Um, and around about 2 a.m., you see what is kind of like this figure, like a a, a torso stick their head around the corner look at the camera and then retreat behind the door so they claim that um, the 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 Western Sydney paranormal research claimed that there was no one in the room security had, had locked up for the night the, the it was in a locked room but they didn't know what to do with this footage so they they pass it on to Chad Callick so um, Chad's description of the uh, the, the the sir no face oh sorry He's dubbed Sir No Face because the figure has no distinct visual features. He's he's just sort of see this kind of like shapeless kind of face. So they dubbed him Sir No Face. So
3: that is that's a horrible name oh, for yeah. a terrifying I mean, it's supernatural a creature. Quote for though, isn't it? <laughs> so oh, yeah. Chad,
0: uh, this is a quote from Chad um, describing the scene. With the incredible fluid motion that appears to defy all known human movement and physics. Um, Uh, And what can only be described as a full-body apparition turns around the corner It has a distinct lack of facial features, hence we gave him the name Sir No-Face. So Chad flies out to Australia because he needs to know more. And this is where the documentary sort of becomes (laughs) like, like almost like a travelogue, like it's really just Chad on holidays in Sydney, Australia, like, you know, Lunar Park, Sydney Harbour Bridge, you know, it goes down to Bondi. Well, you got it sort of loses focus for, for a little bit. <laughs> uh, but Chad begins his investigation first by interrogating every member of the Western Sydney Paranormal Research Team. So those interviews are like – it's he seems to be repeating the question of like um, – did you fake this? And the person's always like, why would I fake it? And it's like, well, money, fame. And then they always respond with like, well, yeah, but you know, like, this is just making our lives a living hell. We're getting made fun of, blah, blah, blah. And that's enough for Chad to go, well, that's a good point. <laughs> I guess you're telling the truth. <laughs> no, they, are, they do come across, are across quite believable. I can sort of see how even cynically you would see these interviews and they genuinely feel like they went through something. I mean, it could be the case that there was one hoaxer within that group and you know 90% were genuinely believed what was happening but it does sort of feel like they they their their stories are all uniform there's enough sort of footage of them together that it's like it doesn't feel overly rehearsed or or um or uh, uh like one of those american ghost hunter shows it it's got that australian like oh geez oh no no, noy <laughs> you know that kind of stuff like <laughs> Yeah, a little more ground, yeah, a little
3: more down
0: to earth. So Chad yeah. concludes uh, that they all seem to be honest people uh, who are not mo- motivated by money or fame. So the first step that uh, Chad goes to, because he says that, you know, he goes in from a, cynic, a a skeptical point of view first. He tries to rule out the known before getting to the unknown. So the, the next step is to try and recreate the footage of Sir No-Face. Um, to see if the figure and frame was actually human. So what they did is they sort of, you know, dressed someone up in sort of neutral clothes and and, um, got them to go behind the door at the same time of night with the same setup, same conditions. However, even with that grainy night vision, um, when the person peeks around the door, you can very clearly see their face. Not only that, but the size difference is quite significant as well. Like the average person is, you know, just under six foot, average male. Where so no face seems to be about a foot or a foot and a half shorter than that. Oh, what an odd, odd extra (laughs) dimension! The ghost of Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) How strange! I mean, it's weird, isn't it, that you can take any? Well, you'd think like your non corporeal form that you could give yourself an extra couple of feet, right?
3: Yeah, right. You can
0: kind of pat it out. Just hold your your breath with that expand. The plasmic frame I'd, I'd of say the ghost. this
3: maybe. This is kind of to their credit in a way as well, a little bit. Because, like, if I was making up a scary ghost, I wouldn't be like, oh, and by the way, he's 5'2. <laughs> like, you know, that's just. Yeah, you've just given him
0: a really unnecessary... scary, like, nickname. And now you're just going to make him, like, adorably petite. Yeah. Ben, I don't want to spoil anything, but this will all make sense by the end of the episode. <laughs> well, what I say, as much sense as anything on the unexplained, explained makes sense. There will be, there will be there will be some answers to why Sir No Face was such a, a cutie patootie. <laughs> okay, oh. so Chad's <laughs> next step is to take the footage back with him to LA to ask a special effects expert to see if the footage was doctored in any way. So that's a um um. He brings out his mate, who's his neighbor apparently, and this guy's worked on like the Transformers films. Um, I can't remember any of the other ones, but like legit special effects films. I looked him up on IMDb. He <laughs> is who he says he is. So they watched the footage of Sir No-Face together, which, by the way, is around 10 seconds worth of footage. And the way they marketed this film in 2018 was like like that trailer I showed you, that that that. Statement from Chad. That's the opening of a 13 minute extended trailer where the repeated message is this shit is going to fucking blow your mind. Like this is a full body apparition staring right into the camera. There is no fucking doubt that when you see this, that your mind will be fucking blown. That is the entire marketing focus. Intended this documentary. I just want to keep you keep that in mind. Okay. Again, what's just like the cootie patootie? Mm-hmm. This is going to come into play later, Ben. All right. So that's what they're telling you. So okay. this guy shows his mate, his special effects mate, um, you know, uh, the, the vision. And his mate is uh, very diplomatic in saying that look, um, it's it's pretty impressive. He said it would take quite an accomplished visual effects artist many, many years of training experience to pull off something that is so well integrated because he talks about like the quality of the video and, you know, if you're an amateur kind of visual effects guy, to integrate that with the grain. It's it's a very specific set of skills. Um, he finishes by saying, look, I couldn't conclusively say if it was fake or not, right, <laughs> which I think is the most diplomatic response I can say to, to anyone, particularly someone of Chad's persuasion. Chad takes this to mean it's absolutely not CGI. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, so, yeah. Uh, uh, and so the only conclusion is, look, we couldn't fake it with the person in the room. The special effects guy said it's not CGI, so it must be real. So that so Chad arrives at that conclusion pretty quickly. A couple of days later, the special effects dude sends Chad a little, um, just a little teaser reel where he's kind of recreated the vision just, you know, from scratch and it looks pretty fucking good. <laughs> like he's done it in a couple of days. Yeah, but right. <laughs> Chad just brushes over that. Like it's like he includes it in the documentary to his credit. But I guess these what he's saying is well this is my mate who's worked on transformers. Like are you telling me that he's a Hollywood guy. He's, he's a telling Hollywood me that guy. some yeah. dude out in western Sydney, you know, was able to 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 whip this together. Clearly they're dealing with uh, something from another realm then. <laughs> Definitively, he said mm-hmm, definitively. that. Definitively, that's right. So um, the film is released in 2018 um, and that doesn't have, believe this or not, it doesn't get a wide release. It's more one of your kind of college tour type things where they'll find somewhere that wants to screen it, they'll go and screen it, then Chad and sometimes Craig will get up and, and do a Q&A afterwards. And so there's a bunch of great videos online if you want to go find them of them um, filming the audience at the moment where so no face is revealed. And it's like, it's good marketing. They did the same thing with Paranormal Activity or it's like, we're not going to show you. Yeah.
3: I was just thinking of that.
0: Yeah. Because
3: Paranormal Activity is like one shot of the demon thing as well as also just a silhouette in a doorway, which I was like, oh, that's a, lot a, of, a yeah, draw. of <laughs> <laughs> um Whoa.
0: Yeah. So Craig revealed that lot, not long after um, the film came out, that the Harbour Federation was furious (laughs) and banned the Western Sydney Paranormal Research Team from Cockatoo Island ever again and then stiffed them on the bill. Now, I think that's crazy. Like why wouldn't you lean into it? Like that's fucking great marketing. Although, I don't know, there might be footage of them in in the documentary where they're doing stuff that they shouldn't have been doing or going places that they shouldn't have gone or something like that. Sure,
3: but like you'd think on balance that uh, from people hearing about this, the people who were curious enough about the ghost thing to go, oh, let's go check it out versus people that were too scared because of the ghost that they would cancel existing <laughs> plans they had to go out, I think you'd still have a net positive of tourism, surely.
0: Um, so the marking of the film was uh, very similar to Blair Witch leaning into the whole true story element uh, w- when, when they released it. Um, but the story doesn't end with the release of the film because it, it gets released, it does okay. There's not, actually not a lot of um, – I thought there would be more kind of attention around it, but it was very hard for me to dig up stuff on Sir No Face. I, watched it, I had to watch it on Tubi, which I don't wish on anyone. <laughs> like, It's not readily <laughs> available. But they released two sequel documentaries and this is where things start to get a little bit interesting. So so No Face, the first sequel, is called Two-Face the Grey. (laughs) All right. Okay. So this documentary is not quite as compelling. Like the first one, Sir No-Face, for all (laughs) its kind of padding, it's quite compelling. There's a lot of tension to it. They sort of reveal Sir No-Face about half an hour in, but then the last hour of it is them trying to, you know, work out is this real or not before reaching their conclusion. Two-Face the Grey is a lot more padding. (laughs) There is heaps more padding and heaps more speculation, and I feel like just objectively as a filmmaker, it's not as compelling a a story because – they try to bring in too many elements. Like what makes Sir No Face so compelling is it's a really simple idea. They're just looking for one thing, and that's all the focus is on. In this documentary, documentary, Chad and Craig reveal that during the promotion of Sir No Face, they started to experience harassment and intimidation from several men in black. Oh, wow, <laughs> they're really pushing their luck here, aren't they? So – not only are they getting tailed by unmarked SUVs, um, strange people are turning up um, to their their their, uh, their talks, and you know, just sort of watching from the back. And <laughs> strange people turning up to paranormal talks, <laughs> <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, Chad claims that he was had personal contact with two different people who supplied him with information that suggested that Sir No Face was not, in fact, a ghost, but. Oh, is he an alien? He's an alien. Fuck yes. Yes, now we're talking. <laughs> so, this is where I started getting real real confused because the first guy um, that Chad meets is some dude turns up to one of their paranormal conferences and he's dressed all in black with a black cobra <laughs> and he has a tattoo of the eye of Ra. Oh, is it my the you know god, the sun have... god? Horus? No, it is Ra. I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, right. No, no, you're probably you're probably right. I got it wrong because I got totally lost cuz Chad's 'Cause Chad then goes into saying that he's got, got a degree in mythology and blah, 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 and that um there's some secret organization dating back to the Egyptians and UFOs and blah 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 blah. I got I got lost in the weeds that's, a bit there.
3: The black Akubra, though is a very nice little homespun touch. That's um
0: Yeah, yeah. Well what about well, I mean, the like Fuck like, what did? A- um, and then he uh, is contacted by someone else who uh, has the name Skyfall as their last name. And once again, in a meta moment, he goes like, I know it sounds like they're a Bond villain, but they have a heap of information that they start sending him about secret government programs. And so the long and the short of it is not uh, only is no face, not a, not, not a ghost and an alien, but he potentially is an alien robot.
3: You, hat in a hat. We're like three hats deep at this point, <laughs> possibly four.
0: So the idea being, <laughs> and this is like, it's such a, it's kind of like when you watch The Highlander, right? Oh, great tremendous. film, real simple concept to get yeah. your head around, immortals battling it out, there's one left, great fun. Then you watch Highlander 2, The Quickening. And it's like, oh my God, what? They're fucking yeah. aliens? And they've been here before. What's going? On? I don't understand. Why have you brought this? L- it was swords and fucking so sorcery. Good. Now it's like aliens, and it's, you've just confused the shit out of me. So that was me when I'm watching Sir No Face, Sir Two Face, the the Gray. I'm like, hang on, what is happening now? Because then it gets real deep into um, UFO conspiracies. So apparently, and I don't know, because uh, I started skipping through parts of this because I was like, this is the, not interesting at all, but. The idea I could gather is that aliens are watching us and and have been watching us, um, and are not very happy about the way things are going with like you know climate change and and nuclear weapons and stuff. And so there are, I guess, what you'd call like peacekeeping forces or like um, ambassadorial aliens on Earth. Um, The Egyptians claimed that there were these eight foot bronze kind of creatures that were supported by so. The way I can understand it is it's like you got the fraggles, right, and the Uh dozers. (laughs) And so the fraggles run through and the dozers are sort of like servants. So that's kind of what the greys are. There are these beautiful bronze tall alien types who are kind of like running the show, but they are assisted on Earth by the greys who fly around in spaceships and just sort of get shit done. Have you heard of anything yeah, like uh, this before? It
3: sounds an awful lot like the television program Stargate. Uh, <laughs> is that what it is? Just in a lot of ways, this is exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Uh, I mean, cool. I love where they're going with this, but how the fuck do you start from like a? historic
0: Sydney-based ghost and get to, like, Egyptian alien mythology by your sequel. It's uh, it's amazing. It's such a quantum leap forward. I haven't seen the third in the Sir No Face documentaries because I just don't know where what you go you yeah. from here. Um, but unfortunately, uh, so Western Sydney paranormal research has been disbanded, um, although Craig still seems to be very active on – Twitter, like he's got a bunch of his own things going around. And he's constantly fielding questions from people who are saying, what are you talking about? And he's always posting stuff about believing yourself and blah, 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 and don't listen to the haters and stuff. Um, Chad also took a step back from paranormal research, uh, saying that spending all this time focusing on the dead was robbing him of uh, experiences with the living, which, you know. Yes. Beautiful quote. Poignant. That's so true. But Ben, I thought – I couldn't get this far into the episode without finally revealing Sir No-Face and allowing you to be the judge for yourself to see is this a ghost or is it an alien or is it an alien robot? Are you you prepared for this? this.
3: I'm ready to be terrified, obviously.
0: Okay, you ready? Now this person has slowed it down. They played at 25 speed and then 10 speed, so just really focus on that. So this is this is a uh, sir no face amazing spirit entity captured on camera. All right, you can see that. Here we go. <sighs> see that? Did you see that? Yep. Yeah. See, slide right down. Now, when I was watching or reading all the watching all the trailers and stuff, the way they described it was like you were going to see a full body apparition. I was thinking like the librarian. From Ghostbusters or something, you know, you can reach out and touch it. That is a fairly indistinct. Yeah, could be fucking anything.
3: Now, I I obviously might be primed to believe this because of how quickly my imagination left onto the sequel, but I definitely get more that's a grey alien vibe than I do from that's that's a ghost. That's a ghost. It doesn't
0: have the big head though, does it?
3: No, but again, it's quite hard to tell what it is. Oh man, at normal speed. uh it looks so furtive. It's like the movement of a
0: child. Like, it looks like a child. It, and you know what? There were two kids, like the guys who run Western Sydney Paranormal Research, their kids accompanied them on a couple of the investigations, but they claimed that they weren't here this night. But that, to me, has the same, yeah, the trepidation of a child.
3: Yeah, like the, the posture. Like, it's hard to make it out, but they sort of look like they're doing that thing where the kids will sort of hold their arms in front of themselves if they're nervous about something.
0: So... Do I need to remind you, you've seen the vision now. Let's just play again. This is Chad's description of what you just saw.
2: Six hours ago, a guy that I befriended about a year ago named Craig Powell sent me several pieces of film um, of events, strange things that he captured. The reason I'm so tired right now is because I have watched this footage for six hours straight.
0: Okay, like I'm assuming he's not talking about that one five-second clip for six hours, but still... Surely not. What, like, he's laying on thick, right, for what that was. He also, like...
3: That's like watching six episodes of The Sopranos. Like, it's not... You shouldn't be yeah. that tired. Calm down.
2: The team have pulled off one of the most advanced, complex hoaxes that the paranormal field has ever known, or the footage that I'm looking at this footage is real and i will find out if it is then craig has definitively proven that ghosts exist
0: <laughs> okay so like big claim oh, right and then so underwhelming yeah, like to I the don't point wanna... where cuz i was like oh, i'm never going to find this vision because clearly that's how they've marketed the film um and then when i did find it on youtube I thought, oh, this can't be it because it was so shit. <laughs> like I was really expecting something that was just gonna blow my mind. Like, how easy to please are people in the paranormal field if that is one of the most compelling cases for the proof of life after death?
3: It's just I can get that if you were in the, you know, the Western Sydney paranormal research and you'd set up a bunch of cameras and you were just going through the footage and you were utterly convinced that at the time those cameras were rolling, there was no one there, and then you saw that video, you'd probably shit your pants. Yeah. Like, a reasonable person would shit their pants in that <laughs> circumstance. <laughs> That's why understanding yeah. of how that works. Any reasonable, Any reasonable, person, reasonable person. With uh, terrible bowel control. <laughs> but if someone just said that to you and was like, this is absolute definitive proof, you like, you would have to set it up for it to have impact. And even watching it, you'd it's be like, "Definitive." oh, that wasn't just like a guy or you didn't like just tilt a mannequin into frame and then tilt it out of frame would
0: suggest no room for doubt and there is so much room for doubt like it just doesn't look like anything out of the ordinary i mean yeah i'd be spooked by the fact that what was that but my mind didn't immediately there's not because the way what was the quote i said to you before about like nothing it doesn't move with any human physics or or whatever like the way you described it was like that looked pretty grounded by physics gravity and uh, motion and nothing about it seemed unusual it's just someone it's someone (laughs) having a sticky beak it's someone having a quick looky loo
3: like it's so easily explicable like i just why this is something that gets me as well is that it is such a furtive gesture Like what would that creature – let's say it's an alien from the like intergalactic UN peacekeeping white helmets that's here because they don't like what we're doing with nukes and climate change and everything. It's walking around an abandoned building going
0: exactly what I don't – I mean they don't actually get to that. Like when they pivot from ghost to alien, like (laughs) fair enough because it looks like a grey, but you then need to justify (laughs) why this alien minion – is hanging out in an abandoned building, like,
3: like we, we talked about this in the last episode about like once you really consider the enormity of how little this planet is in the scale of the universe, how little human civilization is, let alone how little Cockatoo <laughs> Island is. Like, why does the alien care about that room? <laughs> like, what is the what could it, is it just doing well, the rounds? That's like what a security guard at a mall does it, would do. Does it need, oh, does it need so shelter fun. but
0: not power? Like what are the conditions that make it the perfect <laughs> place? Like why couldn't it? There's so many other places in, I guess, you okay, let's let's play devil's advocate. Not devil's advocate. Let's play devil's, uh, uh, let's play uh, uh, Sir No Faces uh, PR agent, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you want to, you can't be in a populated area because you've got to conceal your identity, right? So that makes sense. So tick, uh, isolated. Yeah. But then there are more places that that aren't as desolate where you'll have access to – I mean, I'm assuming if it's a carbon-based bi- life form, it needs water, or it would need access to some kind of food source or anything like that, like unless it's just eating fish. Maybe it eats fish. Or if it, but then if it's a robot, it doesn't need anything. But why does a robot yeah. need to be there? Like
3: why? Yeah, what is the point of any of this? Like, if if you're going to jump to this insane theory that the ghost come alien come robot is the thing that's on camera, you're going to have to oh, adventure some That was my nickname in high school, the alien come
0: robot. <laughs> There's
3: no reason to go into why that might have been. <laughs> Just, I needed a reason for this thing yeah. to be there. I mean, it does
0: does go back and to that thing. It seems to be a recurrent issue in every episode of this that we've done is that you've got a beautiful bit of mythology happening here, a real neat little, cool little campsite story, and then someone has to come along and fucking put a hat inside a hat. Like, every time. Yeah, just – It's like it's not just a yaoi. It's a like, yaoi with magic floating orbs, you know. It's not just an alien. Yeah. It's an alien – well, I mean, it's a very competitive yeah. market, so, you know, you got to add a little bit of pizzazz to but your it story. It just must drive the genuine believers mental when someone comes in and it's like, for fuck's sake, like, there is a ghost on this. Like, there's maybe a security guard who has to fucking deal with Zenoface C- all the time. It's like, it's a ghost, you dipshits. <laughs> like, it's not an alien. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, though. I would love to know what they do with the third one. I mean, what direction they go well, in.
3: Did they – um? Did they go into why uh, they call him – did you say Two-Face, the grey in the uh, sequel?
0: No, I didn't. I, I Like I said, I was skipping a lot, large parts of it because um, Chad, his editing style is quite abrasive and he loves <laughs> the audio – he loves an, uh, an echo audio effect. So after about five minutes, it's so grating where like the irony being – You know, they're talking about evidence and having like clear, definitive proof of things, yet in the way they grade and edit um, their sound and vision, they will dirty it up and crunch it up and make it as, so it appears more kind of like, uh, um, uh, 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 what's the word? Like secretive than it needs to be. Like for some reason they've got like ID counters spinning on most of these things. And it's like, we don't need to know the time and location of this recording. It just looks cool. It looks more like CCTV footage or something like that. But he, but Chad does the bulk of Two-Face from his office speaking into a camera. (laughs) And it's just these long, (laughs) you know, like soliloquies about the nature of existence and our connection to mythology and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, man, I feel like you had something good with Sir No Face and then you're like, I shit people I just gotta I've gotta go crazier. That's what people want in the sequel.
3: Yeah. It's like that um that's the thing, you know, it takes like 20 years to write your first album and then one year to write your second. Like you've got your whole life to sort of come up with these ideas and then something finds you, something that's really, really cool and special and weird. And then you're like, Well, that was kind of successful, although by the sound of it, not really. But and then you're like fuck, got to come up with something else, and then you just, you're just you spinning a wheel and being like, a alien robot Egypt guy. And there's also the this kind
0: of bro- broification of ghost researchers that I think sort of happened when, like, Ghost Hunters started where they all wear Absolutely. matching kind of like, um, you know, tactical vests with their name sewn into it, and, you know, there's this tech side. So it sort of feels like it's the nerdiest shit known to man, but you can feel, like, less lame. Because, you know, you're in an A-team blacked-out van with your fucking, you know, uh, night vision goggles and stuff like that. But it's all just cosplay.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and I I think a lot of that is an American cultural thing where they're able to take themselves way more seriously than we are so they can do that sort of stuff. And, like, your audience for Ghost hunters style programs is, like, a large preponderance of goths. (laughs) So, there's this weird crossover of where they're like guys you would maybe see at an early 2000 Nine, Inch Nails, Nine yeah. Inch Nails show, but dressed like those suburban American dads who believe that they're like operators and have an everyday carry, like tactical yeah. rig on them at all times. It's such a weird crossover of just like, it's double posing. They're doing two different things. Well, you know what's actually.
0: I sort of needed some, a bit of a cleanse after watching all this, so I just started watching some real nerdy content on YouTube and it sort of clicked for me because I um, came across Hasbro, the toy company, uh, last year or a year ago. They um, they have this kind of division which is like toys made to order, so um, they'll put something out on um, like what's that, that crowdfunded thing where you can say, hey –
3: Oh, like Kickstarter and stuff?
0: Yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah. Sorry. I couldn't, my brain's not working. Um, so Hasbro had this division where they do these like specialized like, you know, movie replicas and stuff. And so they did one for the Proton Pack from Ghostbusters because they released the, the, the Neutrona wand a couple of years ago but with no pack. And there was such a demand for it that they raised the money really quickly and then they released – only like 15000 or something like that. They went for like $800 US and um, they're really hard to find because they look amazing. They're like movie authentic and they're customizable and they have all like working switches and parts and like so much fun. And every video unboxing I've watched is some dude around about my age pulling this thing out, going, when I was a kid and I saw Ghostbusters, all I wanted more than anything in the world was a proton pack. And now I have it. And, you know, even Adam Savage from Mythbusters, he got one. He did a review of it. He's customized his. And and so there's this whole – and then I was watching and I was going, oh, this is what it is. Because I remember seeing Ghostbusters as a kid and being like, I want to be a paranormal investigator. I think that would be a cool job, putting on like a jumpsuit with my mates and, you know, going out and busting ghosts. Like I think that's what's happened. And it's just given birth to this like this bro culture in 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 ghost hunting and stuff, which is like everything's super serious, and it's not it's not a joke, man. it's like you know we've got fucking uh, night vision goggles and motion detectors, and it's like, yeah, but it's all still the same thing, <laughs> like it's all the same yeah. thing yeah.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I my um my TV that I've got has a bunch of like built-in ad-supported channels because I don't know smart TVs do that I guess now and one of them is like all paranormal stuff. The other night while I was cooking uh my partner had chucked on that channel randomly and it was playing this this like long running Bigfoot documentary where they go to different spots in America and check out sort of individual sites linked to Sasquatch adjacent type things. I think this one was in West Virginia. It's like the West Virginia Wildman or something. And like it got the tone of that investigation stuff perfect for like what I want, where it was like three dudes that were just camping and they were going on some hikes and they had some camera equipment with them, but not much else. And they were like looking at some trees and being like, Oh, those marks are interesting or whatever. But also like half of it was them just like drinking beers and cooking <laughs> steaks in the rain. There was a part of it in the middle. <laughs> That was, like, five straight minutes of footage of them just walking through a cave with no dialogue while this really beautiful, like, ambient New Age music was playing where I was like, oh, this is, yeah, this yeah, is a vibe totally. I can get behind. This is nice and relaxed. It was great. This <laughs> completely different to this really serious, like, daytime TV, Ghost Hunters, Discovery Channel stuff with all these, like, dramatic cuts and big stings building up to moments that don't really go anywhere. Yeah. And, like acting like they're in there was, danger or whatever. I think they
0: whatever. did a, a series celebrity ghost hunt for like maybe a season or two seasons and I was really into that. So they'd just take celebrities and it was like your usual suspects like Vern Troyer and like an ex-boxer and, you know, someone from the hills or whatever. And they would train them up on how to use all the gear and then they'd drop them in like an abandoned asylum overnight and then film it. And it was just fun to watch people freak each other out, you know, and like. But the, every episode would end the same way, which would be um, the celebrity, at you know, after six hours of being in a dark room just starting to fucking freak out a bit and then running back to the production <laughs> while they kind of CGI'd like an, an encroaching darkness, like, you know, just being, <laughs> and it was so lame. But the formula was laid out for you. It's like this is what people – this is the ghost story that we want. This is why we're drawn to it, like – no one actually. It's boring to go and sit in an abandoned building for six hours. But if you've got someone in your ear saying, "Ah, oh, we just noticed some uh, motion in, in you know, the the the, the operating theatre or whatever," go check it out. It's a game. It becomes, it becomes a game. You'd
3: have a fucking heart attack. I mean, it's exactly how video games work. But you'd scare yourself senseless. Like we we talked about this in the first episode. Like the ability to scare yourself when you're in like a dark old place by yourself. You can do that so easily. If there's a producer in your ear being like, oh, that's weird. We had some footsteps upstairs, but you're the only person in there? That's really interesting. You'd be like, all right, fucking airlift me out.
0: <laughs> you it <get> from orbit. <laughs>
3: that's right. Yeah, 100%. Turn this place into glass. I'm not, I'm not sticking
0: around. <laughs> uh, ben, we, uh, uh, we heard from a, a listener, uh, Ashley, who's uh, based in Norway, who had a ghost story to tell. And I uh, sat down with Ashley a little bit earlier and this is the chat that we had.
1: This begins in about 1981, living in a granny flat in Wallara with my first live-in girlfriend. Now, there's three granny flats that are at the back of the mansion that were probably added onto to at some in the 1920s or 30s. Two upstairs flats, and there's one downstairs flat. It's an old building. There's lots of noises. So you hear things creeping around, you hear creaks and cracks and thumps and all sorts of things, and you don't give it a second thought after you've been there for a few days. It's just, yeah, half of the course.
0: And, and you at 21, would you describe yourself as a sceptic? Were you a believer? Where was your head at?
1: I was the hardest goddamn sceptic you could possibly imagine.
0: <laughs> right. If I
1: on. couldn't put it and categorise it and touch it, it didn't exist. I was not a believer at all. All ghost stories and supernatural. Pure bullshit, all of it. That was where my head was then. So we get to know the landlords and uh, we get to be very friendly with them. They give us a great deal on the place, like we don't pay very much in rent at all. Finally, the word comes from the landlord that we're going to be selling the place completely. We're moving out to the suburbs. They say, everyone's got to go. So the residents start to leave and After a couple of months, it's just myself and my girlfriend left. We're just about ready to go and we're in the living room watching TV, very absorbed in the film we were watching when the sounds of walking and clomping and doors opening and closing upstairs, as normal, starts happening. Now, so
0: prior to this, you would have assumed, oh, it's one of the people who's renting one of the other granny flats. It's just like you'd hear, heard this sound before, but you'd always just palmed it off as being, oh, that's just my neighbours.
1: It's turned into background noise at this stage. It's just that's the noise you get from upstairs. You don't even think about it. It's no longer even noise. So it takes almost an hour before the penny drops saying, aren't we the only ones who are in this building these days? <laughs> oh. Okay, and
0: what's that feeling like? What's that? What's that moment like? All right,
1: that moment is sort of, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> now I've got to do something about this because yeah. my girlfriend's giving me the look saying, "Well." <laughs>
0: Yeah, the guy. Right. you know, let's enforce some traditional gender roles right now. Yeah, when in, we hear the spooky sound, instantly you have to go investigate.
1: Now, yeah. my girlfriend at this stage, she's very much into the woo-woo crystal side of things at this stage, and she's going, "Oh, it's a, it's something bad." So, so I get the master key, which I've got. And I head upstairs to the apartment to have a look. Now, I've never actually gone into this place before, but I've. Been living for more than a year. So I open the door, go in, and it's sort of a mirror image of the upstairs apartment. So, okay, I know my way around. And I go in. And it's all empty, no furniture or anything like that. It's just paint and floorboards. Now, my mind was thinking it's probably a druggie or it might be some kids have just broken in because, again, eastern suburbs, you expect we might have that sort of thing happen. But I go up there. The door's still locked. It's a dead latch. Open the dead latch, go in nothing there. Just go for a look around, still nothing there. Now I get a couple of meters down the hallway and I get the most gruesome feeling that you can possibly have of all the blood draining from your stomach. So your stomach feels like it's just gone over the top of a roller coaster. Blood draining from my head as though I'm about to pass out. Flop sweat instantly forming clammy skin the works as though I'm going to faint but without the fainting it's just that terrible feeling of you know what I think you're being given an invitation to leave right I'm acute so was
0: it was that based on a, a a room that you were in or somewhere that you traveled to like what brought upon the, the feeling
1: the feeling was I'd walked into a part of the hallway it was um, right it was almost instantaneous. It was like you were walking into a, a cold room. If you've gone mm-hmm. into a stand-up or into a bottle shop cold room, it's a, you're hit with a temperature change and just physical reaction on everything. Right. And I didn't feel like I was threatened or anything. It was just, oh, you shouldn't be here right now. <laughs>
0: And there's no connected buildings that it could be, no neighbours that could have been, that was literally coming from above you.
1: I tried to find every possible excuse and explanation for this and there's (laughs) goddamn nothing. Right. We move out within a few weeks of this anyway. And it's about two months later and the landlord, he invites us all back. This is all the ex-residents. He invites us back for a dinner. Um, We all get pretty sozzled by the end of the night. And the conversation turns to, all right, what, what's going on with the granny flat upstairs? And this is where our little celebrity cameo comes in. The resident of that apartment was an actor by the name of John Howard. Not the other John Howard, John Howard, the Neither. actor who's. The John Howard we like. <laughs> probably from, I think at All Saints, he was on All for a Saints, very long time. Yeah.
0: It was. People might know him from the club. That was his kind of breakthrough role. He's played the Collingwood footballer in the club. He was
1: making the club when we were living there. So that was. Right. Okay. He was a beautiful looking man, I must say. Yeah. John's here. We ask him and he says, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have a non corporeal flatmate there that's a little bit of an annoyance. <laughs> But he's never felt threatened by it. Like the feeling that I got, he's never had that uh, sort of dreadful feeling of feeling it's time to run. Right, right. So he seems to have uh, made his peace with this thing, and the only thing he said that was annoying about it was that the doors would be opening and closing sometimes. He'd close a door and he'd come back and the door would be open again. Right, and he was aware of it, it sounds like. He's aware of something. yeah. His answers were beautifully political on this one. He wasn't going to say there was a ghost upstairs, but he's saying, yeah, there's something going on there. But old house, old house. That was his standard go-to. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> uh, Ashley, again, thank you so much for getting in contact with us and, and for sharing uh, your story. I, um, you're in Norway at the moment. Uh, have you seen any big horses over there?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure about this biggest horse, Caper. Um, <laughs> right. I don't see very many big horses over here. <laughs>
0: So what do you reckon?
3: I mean, that's incredible. Also just the fact that it happened to John Howard is uh, <laughs> like it just delightful. takes to the next you, level, doesn't it? It does, but you wouldn't be that many steps removed from John Howard, right? Like as in people that
0: you know wise. Uh, no. I've actually met him. I met him at a film festival and I just I just hit him with Fury Road questions, just asking about Fury Road, which he was oh, fuck, more than happy so good to, there was the to talk perfect, about. God damn. <laughs> You know. uh, it's funny though <laughs> it's God, actually just... story about like hearing the noises so I've talked before we live in old Queensland which creaks and stuff but I have noticed that I can hear what sounds like footsteps in my house that is coming from my neighbor's place which is not even connected to this house just from I'd say like oh. maybe 15 metres away. And I don't know if it's the acoustics because it's a wooden house where the, the sound from there comes in and is amplified by the big empty spaces upstairs. But there's been a number of times where I've thought I've heard footsteps and doors opening in my house when I've been the only one here. And then I realise, oh, no, it's the neighbours. It's just the way the sound is, is, is carrying that it feels like it's in the same house.
3: Are they in a Queenslander as well, your neighbour? No. Because mm-hmm. that's a very like this, they're – for people that haven't lived in one of these, they are—they were all built a very long time ago. They're all unsealed. Mm, they are all on stilts. They sure fucking do. Like, this, which is great in summer. Uh, not not great in winter.
0: Yeah, that's the. But they are actually literally designed to kind of expand and contract with the heat. Which
3: uh, means, oh yeah, all of them are in various states of well, not all of them. But most of them nowadays are in various states of disrepair, and the floors are all wonky because they have been moving this whole time or whatever. But like. You can just hear every single fucking sound uh, quite literally often. Like if you were in a share house Queenslander in your early 20s and any of your housemates were having sex, it was the only <laughs> thing you could both hear and feel. Yeah, right. Awful,
0: yeah. horrible experience. It's like the like a way a wax cylinder would work. It's just the vibrations of the cylinder would be amplified. That's what, that's what a Queenslander does to your love life. It just amplifies it and plays it to the rest of the house.
3: It's so terrible. Yeah, you're um, you're definitely not in an acoustically sealed environment there by any way, shape or form. Definitely something going on with those acoustics.
0: Uh, Ben, uh, it's with great sadness that I bring the final uh, meeting of the North East Australian Paranormal Society to a close. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Um, I don't know if we've explained quite as much as we wanted to. Like we've probably <laughs> well there's so much to yeah, look into we people you know? probably left with more questions but um if you have enjoyed this series and you want us to bring it back please uh, let us know hit us up with topics things you'd like us to talk about and we'll make plans to do that in the future there was discussions at one point about ben and i doing a um a, a, a road story where we actually go out on a, a ghost hunt um but we just sort of ran out of time to coordinate that and I mean, I was trying to vet, I was looking at different ghost tours. I'm like, ghost tours seems cheesy. I want to meet some real proper like ghost hunters. But now, having watched three documentaries on it, I'm like, do I even want to do that?
3: <laughs> it's tough. That's. I think we need a historian who also thinks the idea of ghosts is cool is maybe like the best version of that. But, uh, yeah, hard hard to find that person. Yeah,
0: well, if I can drum up uh, two and a half grand and, and buy myself one of those replica proton packs, then uh, maybe we'll be ready to go.
3: Oh, my God. We could just do it. What if we just got like the EVP detectors and like the spirit meters and whatever, and we just did it ourselves? You'd have to edit like twelve hours of overnight <laughs> audio down to
0: forty-five minutes I mean, to make it I think even 45 slightly interesting. But optimistic, like that. a no face clip goes for ten seconds. Like if we can get a minute of usable content, I think it'd be amazing.
3: Oh, I can't believe there's a thirteen-minute trailer for what a feature-length yeah. documentary that is about ten, 10 seconds, seconds of footage. And
0: like, and it happens in the first half hour, and then it's just an hour of them going, "What was it that we just looked at?" I'm pretty sure it's the children <laughs> oh. of one of the investigators on site with you. Yeah. Uh, people can find you uh, online. Uh,
3: whereabouts? Um, listen to the podcast Bunta Vista. It's odd, um, but I think it's nice. We've been doing it for a while. Uh, also, if you live in Brisbane, check out 2 Bit Movie Club. I do um, bi weekly slash monthly movie screenings of like cult movies and stuff, and it's uh, a pretty good time. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back, or will we? I'm Charlie Clawson. And I was probably Ben McClay.
2: Listener